Welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Scotty Hertz, my co-host on Open Sources Guelph, but the topic of the day is 2022 and what kind of year it's been here in the Royal City. There were some good news stories, and there were some bad news stories, and there were some very bad news stories. Progress was made in some quarters, and there was regression in others. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times, and then there was the aftermath of the spring provincial election. It was a long 12 months in some ways, but they also seemed to pass by very, very quickly in the grand scheme of things. So what is there left to say about the year 2022? We're going to find out, because that's the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. So there were two elections this year. That's been a special treat every four years since 2014, the first time that a spring provincial election lined up with a fall municipal campaign, but both sets of elections were stymied this year with much lower voter turnout than even our worst-case scenarios had envisioned. And speaking of worst cases, how about that Bill 23? It was announced the day after the municipal election and probably caused worse hangovers than any of the celebrating done by the election's winners or its losers the night before. What was normally an easy and laid-back period for new councils became a time of high anxiety and distress as they looked to the future with concern as government influence was seemingly undermined along with the sudden disappearance or reduction of important financial resources. Of course, there was a lot of concern for the present in 2022. Remember when we had another lockdown first thing in January? That was quickly added to the justification for the Freedom Convoy, and support for that was pretty strong locally as new people filled the ranks of local anti-mandate protesters. It was enough to shut down the roads by the time March rolled around. Those protests would peter out by the spring, but some people would try to turn their anti-mandate activism or other far-right ideology into electoral candidacy in the fall. It was bad enough that Guelph was home to one of Ontario's most well-known anti-trans school board candidates, but 2022 created a lot of concern for members of the community who were part of marginalized groups, from vandalism at Heritage Hall and the Beth Isaiah Synagogue, to concerns from Guelph drag queens about threats of violence and bodily harm. All of this is just the tip of the iceberg for this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast, as Scotty Hertz joins us to offer some last words about this election year, some opening thoughts about the new council term, and whether or not there's a pile of election signs for one school board candidate in the parking structure under City Hall. We will also talk about the local impacts of provincial legislation, the infrastructure challenges in Guelph, and why the homelessness issue became easier to see in the last year. And finally, we will talk about cyber attacks, healthcare issues, local hate crimes, and the changing of the guard at various Guelph organizations in the last several months. So I caught up with Scotty Hertz last week via Zoom. Okay, uh, Scotty Hertz, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, neighbor Rooney. Hi, diddly-ho, everyone. Uh, I hate to be so formal, but these things do have a uniformity. This is how mm-hmm. this is how no. we do it. Totally fine. South South Central does it like. No Thank you for time. having me, Adam, and uh, <laughs> because it's year end. Thanks for doing what you do, including this podcast, which I sit in on sometimes. Oh well, thank you for helping. You were you were such a big help during the municipal election. You took a lot of that uh, a lot of that work off my shoulders too, with interviewing some of the candidates. The mutual thank yous. Yeah. No, oh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I was I. Good to get back into the game. And at least a couple of people got the Scotty Hertz bump. Mm-hmm. True enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm set, right? I'm set for 
<laughs> I'm ready for anything. You can go and go and knock on Kenny Chu's door and like, hey, remember when I interviewed you and you won? <laughs> now it's time. Now it's time for payback. Maybe I suggested he should be big league Chew, but that didn't, you know. <laughs> well, he was the one that said Chew as in gum, and I'm like, yeah, big league Chew. Uh, Which was edited out, but <laughs> now everyone knows, including Ken, probably. But uh, I would rock with that if it was me. But anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll see in twenty twenty three if he. <laughs> I, I would say we do need uh, our new counselors to embrace uh, the whimsy. Uh, I mean, we, Bob Bell retired, so we don't get any more bell shaped campaign signs. So maybe, maybe yeah. next election, Ken Yichu can make a bunch of campaign signs that look like the the old big chew packages um which looked like um chewing tobacco yeah it looked like chewing tobacco but it was gum and i remember because it was i used to play little league and that was kind of the joke is you know here we are pretending to be you know grown-up baseball players with our big league chew and there was one kid at the end from the bad news bears who was actually just chewing copenhagen or chewing tobacco right i don't know (laughs) it is Guelph after all or no that was georgetown right it was was georgetown it was georgetown so yeah, even uh, more likely, right? <laughs> well, I mean, if it if it was you know Guelph when when I was a kid, I think we were still weren't we still growing? Well, Imperial Tobacco was still here, but were we growing? Yeah, they probably tobacco? sponsored a team. Yeah, true enough. Actually, you're probably right. I think they did. I think they did yeah. sponsor teams. You probably and their names that. their name is still on the wall at the hospital. Actually, so last I was there, which was thankfully a while ago, but maybe mm-hmm. that's changed too. But. Ooh, good segue because uh we're here to talk about some of the the big Guelph news stories of the year and that was a big one was the frequent lineup of ambulances outside Guelph General Hospital due to code reds and um not having enough staff on hand and our our ambulances being pushed to the limit so that's been a that's been a story this year the regular site of long lineups of ambulances outside Guelph General. Mhm. And I've said this before, too, the time that I spent in the hospital, which was a few years ago now, as an, as an attendant, as assisting somebody, uh, the lines were already there. So, you know, this really shouldn't surprise anybody that this is happening, not just in Guelph, but, well, Canada-wide, and, and in some cases, it's international. You see the crunches on everywhere on these systems. Now, Will it improve that you always hear talk about, oh, we need, we should get another hospital. We need another hospital. I mean, we need another emergency board. We need more uh, <laughs> triage, obviously, but you know, the day, the day to day is not looking good. And, and sadly, I don't think it's going to be any better in 2023. I mean, right now, this past week, so many things in outbreak, including uh, it looked like all of the seniors places in town or quite a few of them, mm-hmm. which translates to people going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like this is an outbreak that is an indicator that the hospital is going to get crunched more, not to mention all of the kids. Now, I'm hoping that school adjourning for the year, uh, both, you know, both regular school and college university is going to slow things down a bit mm-hmm. and give those good people a break for a couple of weeks. But I don't think so. But because, you know, holiday gatherings will probably take care of any slowdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 true. The, uh, like the whole hospital dilemma. I mean, there is the approved upgrades to emerge and I think the the um the neonatal ward, I think they're also making some more room to accommodate people in in mental health distress, but to my knowledge, I don't think that work's been scheduled yet. 
Um, we've been collecting the um, the, uh, the the levy for it for I think mm-hmm. since nineteen, um, and that's a six year levy uh, because we skipped over one year uh, due to the pandemic. So there's still three more years. I think the province did approve the funding sort of right before the election, like they're part of the funding. But then um, I, I have no idea when that work is actually supposed to begin either. I, I can't, I don't think it's been said. And I, or at least I don't remember off the top of my head. So, I mean, that's, that's just, um, what do you want to call it? Like, I guess a short-term solution because it's an upgrade, it's renovations, but the, the whole mm-hmm. hospital dilemma too, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think we, we, I think we all agree that there's probably a need uh, the question is, I mean, there are so many questions and, and one of the, I think one of the biggest problems is that the, the process is so opaque and it's, it seems to be happening in back rooms. I don't mean, I don't mean that to sound negative, but I just, cause there's no formal public process right now. It's just, you know, politicians and um, organizations talking to each other about where they are in the process. We do know that there is planning um, right now. What exactly that looks like is, is unclear and it's, it's kind of hard to, to get those firm details um, as well. So it just becomes this, I guess this ball that we punt around, like, when are we going to get a new hospital? When are we going to get a new hospital? When, you know, why are we funding a library when we need a hospital? It's, it's tough. It's uh, it, you know, there's not a lot of, I guess, hard answers. Yeah. But we're at emergency level. We're at triage level. Like that film mm-hmm. contagion was pretty accurate. You know, the people lined up in the arena mm-hmm. level, at least I, th- I think we are. I know there's, majority of people are in denial right now that there's a problem and don't want to talk about it and we'll pretend everything's okay but it's it's really not mm-hmm. so i think i'd mentioned this before on open sources about that that chinese example where they built the hospital in a week now i don't think we have the infrastructure and the resources to do that here in canada but they really need to speed it up like just you know, there's all this yapping about cutting red tape. If you want to cut red tape and make a lot of people happy, particularly anybody that works in healthcare or anybody who has an ailing relative or themselves right now, that needs to happen. Come up with a plan because we know that they do these things in the world to take the pressure off that system. And there'll be all these the 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 press releases. I'm thinking particularly from the province, the presses that they have are all about roads and other junk that doesn't matter right now. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. This is this is priority one. And we're going to feel it more in 2023. And that's, you know, I don't want to be the, well, I am chicken little, I suppose, to a degree, but <laughs> sky is actually falling when it comes to healthcare. 100%. I, I, was, I was going to um, upgrade our, the reference to Cassandra so that it, it. Oh, I've gotten that too over the yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, I think that is correct, and it, the, the the thing is, um, how do how are they defining red tape? Because to me, something like Bill One Twenty Four, that's red tape, right? You're you're saying you can only negotiate do so much negotiating with um, public health workers or public workers, period. Um, and you know the, the court has said, oh, by the way, Bill One Twenty Four is bad legislation and unconstitutional, and then they're going to fight that. And like, doesn't isn't that red tape? Like, isn't the whole definition of red tape like putting a barrier between a problem and a solution? And that's and the, yeah, that's the conservative the conservative definition of red tape is anything that inhibits business getting done, mm-hmm, pleasing mm-hmm. the friends. 
it doesn't include, you know, they'll point to bureaucracy. Oh, look at all this bureaucracy. Uh, but when it, when it achieves a political purpose for them, they don't mind it. That's mm. a fact, mm. in my opinion. <laughs> How's that for contradiction? That's a, that's a fact, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but it, it's true, though. It's like when they when they say cut red tape, it's like, can the dozers move through? Can our right. friends make money equals red tape cut? But when it comes to anything, that, well, anything that involves a, a trade union, really, schools, hospitals, anything where they have to deal with uh, with that, and negotiating with people and having to capitulate on certain things, they don't like it. Not police. Oh yeah, <gasps> especially especially not police. <laughs> that gives us a couple of places to jump off, but I mean, because we're kind of on the provincial government, you know, that's that's the the accusation about Bill Twenty Three and and you know uh, reshaping the green belt is that these are political favors to rich friends, and um, in the meantime, it it. You know, I, I was at the um well I wasn't at, I, I watched it on YouTube, the um Grand River Conservation Authority meeting. Um and you like these poor people um have you know basically spent the last two years rewriting the rules by which they operate at the insistence of the provincial government. And then just I guess a couple of months ago, they come in and rewrite a bunch of other rules and and you know, they're struggling to play catch up and you know Chris White, who's the chair of the board. He, he's uh, if you've never seen Chris White, uh, Mayor Chris White. I think he's the mayor of Guelph, Hermosa, if I remember correctly. He's one of the Wellington towns. But if you ever seen him work, he's like he's a super efficient chair. Um, so he he makes everything look um, look easy. But I mean, even he even he was sweating a little, like on behalf of the GCRA GRCA staff. That you know you have. Again, it's hard not to see this as red tape, and you can apply this to the city as well, that instead of actually building houses or finding ways to build houses, staff at the conservation authorities, at municipalities, are having to like rewrite official plans and master plans and zoning bylaws and do all this paperwork um, instead of actually finding solutions to problems, which is like putting more shovels on the ground, getting more houses built. And again, how is this not red tape? C courtesy of the, we're not in favor of red tape people but that, that's a prime example of, of uh th throwing up a, a red tape barrier <laughs> against something that they don't like to prevent them from trying to achieve the goal of conservation and preservation and helping the friends take over we'll call it virgin areas it's not really but that that's mm. that's what the goal is it's like rather than clean up a brownfield like imico which could have scads of housing on it in this town that they've sat on for years and that you know that's the oh, ultimate yeah provincial municipal crossover there's mm. no shortage of property there there's no shortage of of empty places in town that we know about and been well well documented mm -hmm. uh rather than kick that up a notch now they did a little bit in terms of uh you know second stories on houses and putting one in the yard i've actually seen a little bit of that around town i think they're already in progress before those rules changed i don't think that's necessarily a negative thing i think that kind mm. of uh you know, mid-range development is what's required. And it's also what people aesthetically like. Mm -hmm. So a good example of where there's going to be an issue uh, locally will be, and I'm not sure how, what the crossover is with the bill is the, uh, oh, I can't remember the name, uh, by the um, TransCanada Trail, that that um, metal shop. Oh, the old Armtech site. 
arm tech that's right yeah and it's uh, it's just it's it's barren it's empty who knows what's in the ground there it's probably not as bad as they will say but of course <laughs> 19.5 million and it's all yours yeah exactly but it, <laughs> of course what's going to happen is the want to put uh you know let's call them ward style condos in there or former ward because it's been severed off and is part of the downtown now the neighborhood is going to get upset because oh yeah they'll ha- as as ours did but you know, the, the there's no way of fighting it. People like to think that they fought it, but it's just that is the stuff that is coming from provincial government of any stripe, in my view, and the friends. That's the development you get, and it doesn't solve. It doesn't. I mean, it it does preserve the environment to a degree when you're building density. That is that is a fact. Mm-hmm. But when we have all these other issues, speaking about conservation areas in terms of what's one of the number one things going to be in Guelph in the future, projecting way down the road, is a water supply. Mm. We're still so reliant on groundwater, and so is Kitchener Waterloo. 90%. Which is something that the conservation areas look after. Mm-hmm. So is it going to be, and I think it may come to this, is the big pipe has to go in. Uh, for us, it's supposed to be Lake Erie, which is never happening. Will it be Lake Huron? Then there's another infrastructure project. Then they'll spend 10 years doing an environmental analysis. And then by the time all that's happened, it won't, there's going to be problems. There will be here <laughs> back in Cassandra mode. <laughs> there already has been problems. And I may remember all those years ago, it's like, oh, it's code. Don't water your lawn. It's code red and people getting tickets and complaining, you know, take yeah. that and amp that up a bit. When you and also when you have more people just consuming, consuming, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think enough attention is being paid to that at all. Well, I, I, I think in certain circles there is, but not you know right, by the. Right. Well, we need everybody wants a white picket fence. Is is the logic? Yeah, there there is some concern. Um, I, I remember at the the review of the water master plan update, there was a some degree of skepticism like are you like a staff and i don't think anyone was accusing staff of uh making things up or fudging the numbers but i think they were accusing staff of looking a bit too optimistically at the numbers when it comes to oh yeah when we get to 2050 it's it, it'll be fine it'll be fine don't worry um and then but you know my question was well what happens after 2050 we're not going to stop growing in 2050 um we're not going to get to 280,000 people and, and we're going to say Guelph's closed no more <laughs> No more people. Hey, hey, you bring your own water. <laughs> hey, 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 pregnant lady. When is when's your due date? Oh, 2051? Oh, okay, too bad. You're gonna have to you, you're gonna have to lose one of your kids because we can't have people. Give, give them away. <laughs> choose it's Sophie's choice. Somebody time. will take them, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh I hope uh, you know, go buy a home in Acton. I don't know. Um Yeah, it's though the water issue is rough. Um I think the planning situation is going to get so much more dicier at city council because we're going to have more plans um, at the same time, less pressure points that can be put on developers at the same time, less information coming forward because uh, site planning and and rezoning can't happen. Um, They can't happen concurrently anymore. So Mm. you're you're going to get these um, presentations from developers where you're not going to see what the future building might look like and you're not going to see um like layouts and renderings and all that stuff so you know it's it's going to create a lot of friction between residents and developers and and i i hope the lesson and it's not going to be a lesson universal learning because we're going to be developers are going to come from outside of guelph who 
are, are you know kind of looking for opportunity. But for the, the developers that are already here, I hope the lesson has been learned that you know you've got to start working with the neighborhood, start working with them early. Otherwise, you get into slap fights, and we've seen that before that you know residents get uh, their backup and sort of force council to 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 take votes that you know might be a slam dunk uh, without. Um, you know, a widespread protest from the area. I mean, I'm watching this situation at 140 Haddadi, which, mm. um, you know, for, like, first planning application of the term, uh, first one after Bill 23 passes, and it's like, we're going to stick 24 stacked townhouses on this piece of land um, that is surrounded by, you know, old style homes built in the 70s, or this, this piece of land where there's a commercial building now, and it's just, you know, people are saying like hey you know you didn't bring this like i'm literally going to live on the other side of the fence from this you didn't bring it to us and it's, and you know the developers like oh yeah we yeah we did and it's like no you didn't and and so this is we're we're getting this like he said they said um thing already and and, and it doesn't get any easier from here it's, yeah their idea of presenting it to the neighborhood is going around with a flyer and saying here's what's coming like this the, the old at least they used to go through the motions i think that's something else that's been diminished by uh covid as well unfortunately but it was already i've talked about this before how they d- did the same in this neighborhood about the um the wood site now mm. metalworks but they did they built exactly what they wanted and i said that at the time and they're like oh no you're just you're just being negative you're just this and i was like no there's no this there's no net gain <laughs> Well, it's it's true though, right? Like I, I hate to be right on these things, but it is true. And it the the extension of this mm-hmm. is that it doesn't do anything for the displaced in the community. It, mm. you're, you're you're building houses. It doesn't do anything for anybody in this community who can't afford to rent or is living in the tent cities, which seem to be popping up. I Adam, I happen to notice one on. Um, I hadn't been on the Hanlon in a while, and I went up, and this it's it's up near you actually. Yeah. In, off the hydro corridor, I was like, man, it's it's expanded this far. Like it's and it's in plain view, it's in plain sight. The majority of people in Guelph will drive past every day and you'll see that there is a community living by the ditch between the hydro corridor um up on the hamlet. Yeah. And yeah. these plans, these housing plans that claim, oh, we need to create housing for people, will do absolutely nothing. And I mean nothing less than nothing. For the people living there, for the people that live in the in the rough patches down here in the ward, uh, everywhere, it will do nothing for them. So they shouldn't be allowed to say that. Well, we need housing for people. No, you need again. You need housing for your friends. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, that's so key. Is it's it's not just a matter of supply. Like if we build a million five houses, um, does that that is not going to bring the price of housing down magically? Um, and and I I think for a lot of people, uh, the average home price of a million dollars and the average home price of like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars isn't different. I think that's still inaccessible to a lot of people. Oh, it's yeah. inaccessible to most people. Yeah, most yeah. normal working people who don't who who aren't able to cash in because their their house in Toronto or the GTA is overvalued. Yeah, and then come and then move out. Which is what's which is what's been happening in Guelph. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it's exactly what's been happening, and then and then everything is inflated here, including some of the craptastic houses in my neighborhood that are for sale for way too, way too much money. Mm. No one will buy that piece of garbage for that amount of cash right now. First of all, because they don't have it. Secondly, that it's garbage. And then not only that, there was that report that came out that said in Canada, 
the rent. It's Toronto and area, or sorry, Vancouver and area, mm. Toronto and area, and like fifth or sixth on the list is Guelph. Yeah. Highest rent in the nation, not just Ontario. Yeah. So that speaks to everything we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. The rent is too damn high. Yeah. So it's not, we're not just talking about the people, the, the, let's call them the raw homeless who are, who are living in the woods. There is a whole ton of people and lots, the majority of renters and people in this town can't afford to put it together and keep it together. And we see that in the, in the services that are required downtown ever expanding. Yeah. Well, in food banks, too. food banks, it's just, you know, like, not sustainable. If you can afford rent, that's probably all you can afford too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that leaves out, you know, transportation that leaves out, you know, the grocery store and, you know, luxuries, like you hate to call them luxuries, but things like eating out or you know going to the movies or signing up your kid for swimming lessons. But yeah, the thing about the homeless situation this year, I think is, uh, I think it's been a, sh- a shock to the system is that it's so hard. It is out in the open. It's so hard to ignore. You go up to, um, walmart like the walmart plaza like there, there there's been a homeless encampment behind that plaza like on the just at the back end of the ignatius center lands mm-hmm. um it's been there for a while but the fencing you know kind of has sort of kept a i guess a, a separation of church and state so to speak um <laughs> but but i mean the, the fencing is falling apart now because that trail yeah. is so well worn Mm-hmm. Uh, with with people going back and forth to to the stores, the shops there, um, the dollar store, um, well, like one of the few places where if you're you know you're on a budget, uh, in air quotes, uh, you can get something to eat. Not exactly mm-hmm. healthy, but you know, a meal's a meal. Um, but yeah, it, it's out in the open there. That that encampment you're talking about on the Hamlin, yeah, it's it's right there. It's hard to miss. Like there's there's you know, people sleeping under the overpasses, and and that's hard to miss. Uh, and then, you know, you see the lineup of people in front of the, the mission at mealtime, uh, Royal City Mission downtown. It, it, it's just you can't not see it now. And it's a shock to the system of so many people who are like, oh, here's quaint little Guelph uh, affluent area in southwestern Ontario. And it's like, yeah, well, it, it is. But at the same time, um, we have had this this problem here because uh you know, issues of affordability. This is not new. I remember last year, like uh, former councillor Mark McKinnon said, like there are two Guelphs where it's, you know, people who can live, afford to live here and people who can't afford to live here. And I'm like, dude, there's been two Guelphs for like years mm-hmm. and years. Um, this is not a new phenomenon. And I think 2022 is the year we got hit in the face with that idea. Oh, absolutely. And this like, it's when you, when you have this situation, it's, mm-hmm. it's a failure. Mm-hmm. Anybody and a politician or otherwise driving up the Hanlon or the, uh, going to these spots or even the as you said any any time that there's uh they'll be like uh there was an incident at a retail place on woodlawn which is how they reported in the paper you know that it's there right you know that that's the place mm-hmm. where these things are happening it's a failure this mm-hmm. is system failure mm-hmm. and it needs to you know forget yeah the city has a budget surplus the province has a surplus that they they you know they're hanging on to for god knows why <laughs> you need to apply those resources to this mm. or else like it's just it's just going to continue it's like where where is your uh where is your humanity right you, you don't have it if this is what's happening mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 that sounds like an oversimplification because we don't have a lot of we could probably talk about this for a full hour 
Well, I, 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 you, I would, you can't yeah. be sitting on a surplus and not do anything, even if it was part of it went to addressing some of these issues. Right. You know, nine million dollars could build quite a few places or renovate quite a few places, never let alone the billion or whatever it is the province is sitting on. Now I can't remember the exact number, but it's a lot. Yeah. I I mean you're not wrong. It, it's just um and I, I think the city does deserve some credit for doing what it's what it can. Um and perhaps that, you know, as you said, that nine million could go to, to something. Um I think there are systemic things that have to be addressed. And, and our, our CAO, Scott Stewart, said this at one meeting where they were talking about these issues. He said, you know, social services at the city of Guelph is whoever picks up the phone first. And that's, I mean. If they pick up the phone too, right? Uh, uh, right. If they pick up the phone. Because they're, they're slammed. Plus, you know, you hear, well, it's like system wide now that you're on hold for <laughs> yeah. all day. <laughs> I'm, not talking about, I'm generalizing here, but it's, it's, it's or, true. Or somebody's so difficult to reach humans. Or somebody's not in the office because everyone's or a lot of people are still doing hybrid. Um, and unless they um they they you know uh, hook up their phone so that it forwards to their their home phone or their um their cell phone, it it you know that's uh, or if uh, but yeah, if you get on the news with Sean O'Shea or have a tweet that goes viral, then you know you'll get attention immediately, right? <laughs> if, 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 that's what it takes now. It's not not just virus; you have to go viral, and then things will happen for you, right? So, unfortunately, mm. but that's I don't think that's ever been any different. No. Uh, what's all? What else is on our list here? Uh, any speaking of going over budget? Any thoughts on uh, police headquarters? Hey, oh it's, boy, it's done! It's done! It's done. <laughs> <laughs> Three years later, it's done. <laughs> yeah, and this this kind of speaks to the the uh, the grand scheme of things in the twenty first century. How how projects are um, delegated, let's say, how they are assigned to, to people, um, or to people or to companies. The the great P three. I think this kind of leans a bit into the library as well, which I think was something that we were going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's it reminded me. It reminds me of, I think it was John Glenn or somebody said, you know, you're riding that rocket into space knowing that it was built by the lowest bidder, mm-hmm. right? So <laughs> cities and, and you know, organizations have certain constraints where it's like, well, you need to get a bunch of bids and then the bids come in and they're like, okay, we'll take this person. Yeah, it'll probably be okay. And then it turns out that it's not okay. And it keeps happening. It mm-hmm. keeps happening. I'll, I'll go back to the example of the... It's a few years ago now at Brampton City Hall, the new mm-hmm. city hall. It's like, oh, it's spectacular. And we've sp- spent all these millions on it. And then, you know, $5, no $5 part fails over Christmas. No one's there and it's flooded out and it's millions of dollars to fix it. So this is this is how we build things now in the 21st century. It's been heading that way. But in the cutting of red tape where you can't choose certain criteria, it's like, okay, slap the thing up and then you can get people to take care of it after the fact, but because that's a different budget or a different line item in your budget, then that's okay. People won't see those expenses. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you you hit on something too, because one of the rules in bill 23 is that you have to spend your reserves. You can't just, you know, sit on it until the project becomes viable. And then that throws a wrench in the plans of something like, the South End Community Center that came in, what, 20, 30% over the, the budget, like the, the bids. Um, yeah. 
so and you know that's a project that's like tens of millions of dollars and you know you 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 want to look after you you you, you know you want to pay for you, you know you want to go forward with a project at the budgeted cost uh especially these massive projects that have a lot of scrutiny on them and so at what point does you just you know push the button and go with the lowest bidder knowing that they're probably shanghaiing you but also knowing that if you don't get start construction um the province is gonna, you know i don't yeah. know what i don't i don't know what the penalty is if you don't spend your your dc reserves in a certain set amount of time if they send you a sternly worded letter if they they um they come and take the withdraw the money and then drop it from an airplane over and, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know <laughs> and you see it in things this might be a terrible example but it's probably accurate the property brothers oh promise you this <laughs> renovation and then every single time Every time they rip it apart, it's like, oh, there's problems. Oh, the ceiling's made of asbestos. And like, dude, I could have told you that in the walkthrough. Like, <laughs> we know that it's there. You're trying to create this drama. But, you know, that is the kind of thing that happens with, with older buildings when they renovate. And I, I'm not saying that older buildings shouldn't be renovated. I fully believe that there are certain ones that should be. Mm-hmm. And there's certain ones that shouldn't be, like the 60s library. That's That just needs to be... But you know what? What do you do? What do you do with the old library when the new one comes online in twenty forty or whatever it's going to be? Right? Mm-hmm. I know. I know the prediction is that the shovels are going to be in the ground next year. Maybe once all of the people are removed from the from the old burial ground, and I don't know. Oh, that's done. Oh, okay, that's done. They're, right. They're, but yeah, then they're, what they're then, doing right now is I think they've paused work for the winter. But what they're doing now is like burying a lot of the infrastructure, like the hydro lines and things. Sure, and there are they drilling through the magical bedrock that nobody knew about for two hundred years. Like they knew the bodies <laughs> were there, but it's like it's like oh, we did the bedrock. Oh my goodness, the bedrock. It's like you knew that was there. You know the 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 geology of this town isn't new. We're we're almost at year two hundred of the colonial settlement here, right? It's like you know what the stones are. You know where the bodies are, right? One ninety six. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm confusing my dates. It's April 23rd, but what? 20, uh, 18, 20, yeah. 1827. So we're, okay, we're four years. So we're four years. Still out. timed at the 200 year mark, but I mean, you, you know where things are buried and sometimes they don't because there was that tunnel, right? And they're like, Oh, it must be the tunnel where they were smuggling the booze or, you know, there are mm-hmm. secrets in an old town, right? Oh, yeah, Bedrock is no secret though. Bedrock is is what it no, is. The be- the bedrock is in C- Yeah, it's- there won't be enough parking. It's like, mm, aren't you designing this thing so there are less people have to park that you can go on the bus? It's never going to happen. It's never happening. That's the great irony of of downtown stuff. That they want to create like we want this walkable ten minute neighborhood that you drive to and park and then walk around, which I don't. I don't get, but if you're like, slamming in a bunch of condos, which only people who don't live here can afford, mm-hmm. or if they sell up their house, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. It comes with a car. Yeah. It, yeah. it just does because culturally we're not there yet in terms of walking to things. I know and we're taking transit. I know you are and I am. Yeah. <laughs> but we are probably the exception and maybe quite a few of our listeners. <laughs> on our shows uh rather than rather than the rule right because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you 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 comment endlessly about transit and where it needs work mm-hmm. is is somebody going to be bothered with that when you shelled out so much to live in a certain place in a certain area can you be bothered to give up your vehicle and the convenience of well am i going to take two buses to get to the north end or, you know i you can only 
buy so much at the flower barrel and the olive experience? Like, are they, are they, is it wishful thinking that there might be something resembling it is, um, it is what mainstream thinking. grocery downtown, or is it just, you know, like nothing against downtown businesses at all, but it's yeah. just, they've got this dreamscape that doesn't exist. It's a unicorn. It is a dreamscape. I'd laugh out loud when a developer comes to a planning meeting and it's like, oh, well, we're, our development has one parking space per unit because like it, it, this is a walkable area. Everyone's going to be walking around. I laugh out loud when they say that. It's like, who are you trying to kid? Who are you trying to kid? That's not that's not what's going to happen. It always becomes about parking, right? And they'll, point, yeah. they'll say, well, there's that garage. That it's empty. You know, you could park there. It's like no one, no one is going to walk from there. But they use their garage for storage. Come on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Just fill it full of junk. Uh, yeah. But that. Got to park my boat in my garage. Anyway. It, it's yeah. theoretical stuff. Like, you know, it, and. Ah, we'll see, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do, let's do some lightning round. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, one of the things I want to highlight is the federal the federal maps that are coming. Like, keep your eye out for February because that's when the 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 report from the redistricting commission for Ontario is going to be commissioned. Ooh. Will will there be two federal ridings for Guelph? There's going to be a Guelph, and as it stands right now, it's going to be a Wellington Halton Hills, where it's a combination of Guelph salt, south of Arkell plus Puss Lynch, um, Guelph Aramosa, hmm. Rockwood, and Acton, I believe. Well, we're so used to just our one singular writing, which is kind yes. of unique, but yes. there's, there's a whiff of a gerrymander there, but uh, that remains to be seen, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is that there, there was a lot. I, I, I went to the town hall for um, the changes for our area, and which included also a Halton and, and Peel, big portions of Peel. And there's a lot of gruntlement about uh, some of the approach changes. Like it cuts Milton in two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, Wellington Halton Hills too, um, because the, the, the proposed border cuts through highway seven separates Acton from Georgetown, which are, they're not the same places, obviously, but I mean, they're, they're, it they're is one, spirits. Yeah. well, it's also one <laughs> municipality Halton Hills. Yeah. So, um, they're cutting that. So there, there's a lot of like splitting the, splitting the proverbial baby. So I'll be interested to see how, how much they took away from some of those town halls and some of the concerns. Mm-hmm. A lot of, there, there were a lot of like city councilors and regional councilors and things that, that delegated to that town hall too. So I hope that some of that advice was taken seriously. Um, we didn't get hit by it too much, but I, I, I would say that uh, cyber attacks, big issue this mm-hmm. year on, on municipal infrastructure. It was at Waterloo school uh, board, Durham school board, um, it's not technically municipal, but the, the big Sobeys Empire chain cyber yeah. attack. And then U of G cyber attack. They haven't yes. called it a cyber attack, but it, it's pretty obvious it was a cyber attack. No, but yeah, everybody's a two-step login now, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's a bit of a pain in the butt. But uh, <laughs> if, if that's what's required to to keep a lid on it. But yeah, it's uh, getting more and more prevalent. And uh, as to what level, as to how nefarious it is, uh, you know, there hasn't there hasn't been people coming forward saying oh my all my banking is gone, all my information is gone but and the, you know this i think by extension the whole scamming the grannies is you know is similar to this in that mm-hmm. you know they, they don't necessarily have a handle on on tech bless them uh but that's you know it, it's it's going that way because it's easy 
people will do these things because there's an opportunity. So unless they start throwing more at IT, but also people become more cognizant of uh, protecting passwords and not coughing up things easily. It's like, okay, I just need to give this monkey my credit card number. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The grant, the, the grandparent scams are particularly gross. Um, yeah. That's, that's next level low in my world. Yeah. 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 Anyways, Go to the um, Bitcoin machine, and I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> it's bad enough you're ripping off an old lady, but to make her go downtown to the Bitcoin machine, jeez. Oh. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this next one, but uh, hate crimes, more visible hate crimes this year. Heritage Hall vandalized repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, somebody putting the um, Hitler stickers all over the front of the synagogue, yeah. and uh, I mean it was pretty clear there was an element of racism in some of those uh attacks on election signs i mean it's, it wasn't all racist but um if you look at who was kind of heavily targeted um in in terms of uh vandalizing of election signs or the stealing of election signs uh you, you do notice a pattern <laughs> yeah and there's been some let's just call it interesting graffiti in in uh the neighborhood down here which was surprising but i removed it at least twice i've taken stuff down mm-hmm. uh, i just slapped the coveralls on and no one asks any questions but i would do it anyway coveralls or not but yeah what's wrong with you people i know you're not listening but uh it's <laughs> really what, what what is wrong what what needs to happen for you to realize that not only is this wrong it's like what what's going on we can blame lots of things we can blame you know saturation of fools on the internet uh the tucker carlson's of the world and uh mm-hmm. Or uh, just who have the their pandemic. share of Canadian fans, by the way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the the pandemic amplifying everything as well. You're shut in. You're just on the internet all day. You don't get out and, and see that there's another world out there. And you somehow think Hitler's a good guy or whatever. So, if anybody hears this, if you if you want to talk, get in touch. Seriously, get in touch because somebody needs to have a sit down with you and have a little chat because it's it's obviously not going well for a lot of people. Uh, and I say people, but it's usually it is usually young males. And I was thinking about that. It was last year, though, that weird uh, graffiti up at Lakeside. Oh, yeah. It yeah. seemed like a false, like, Islamic State, something like, you know, it, put it this way. Islamic State wouldn't do that type of graffiti as terrible as they are. They're the lowest of the low, but, like, they're not going to do that. So that was that was weird. I mean, that wasn't just, uh, I don't even know if that was a hate crime. It's like, what are you trying to say here? You went all the way up to out of town. Yeah, so you would have had to drive yeah. to do that. Didn't finish it, and it's like, what? What? Are, what are you doing? So anyway, yeah. If you want uh, to talk? Get in touch with me. Yeah, Lakeside's not exactly on a bus route. Um, no. Yeah. The, the other thing I'll say about this too is this is like kind of like the homeless issue, where I think if you talk to people of color in Guelph, um, a lot of them have experienced hatred like this. Um, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not public. Like it's not putting hitler stickers on the synagogue public um it's kind of deeply personal it's on a one-on-one basis and and like the homelessness issue we're kind of seeing it erupt into the public sphere and um yeah i i will be interested to see what what we have to or or what becomes of or i guess what the stats even look like next year because there was a, a weird dip in 2020 where um, we got, the number of reported hate incidents actually went down and then it went way back up again in 2021. So I'll be interested to see 
given the level of publicity this has gotten this year, if, if tw- the twenty twenty two stats are different. Oh yeah, because some some of it's really warped. Like you mentioned Heritage Hall; they were leaving bags of shit on the step. I mean that that's yeah. not just that's not just shenanigans. Yeah. Right. That's not just the, there are shenanigans in town. It's usually drunk students, which I always blame the election sign thing on. But this this time it was definitely, definitely different. Oh, uh, for sure. No, especially in Ward one. <laughs> but, you know, you, you you put up an election sign. You expect it at certain days during the year to disappear. It usually involves, uh, I don't know, homecoming, maybe if, if it sure. if it coincides <laughs> with elections. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff at Heritage and the, see, the, these are areas that I regularly uh, walk through and I was kind of. You know, pause and have a look, and because that was a memorial bench at Heritage Hall, it got destroyed too. It's like, what yeah. you're, you're not, you're not. This isn't just shenanigans. This isn't targeted. Mm-hmm. So, I remember working at the hotel one year, and it was an election year, and uh, there was because it it was on the corner of a major intersection, and I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd I would come into work, the signs would all be standing up. I'd leave work, those signs would all be kicked down because yeah, it, it was down the road from the ranch, and so the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> it's a target you might as well paint a target on it's it. yeah people are it, it's like lawn sign bowling you, know, you gotta knock yeah. them all down um but when there's 10 signs and just a certain one or two are removed yeah uh then we have a problem yeah uh any any last thoughts about our election year uh not really other than it, it was well action-packed and interesting this time more i, w- I thought it was uh, far more interesting than normal just in terms of the uh not just the number of candidates, but the quality and caliber of the candidates. Mm-hmm. It's it's always something like that is is always good and positive uh, to me. A local democracy and democratically in general. I still need to find out who Jamal Nasir is. Um, who <laughs> here the mystery man? The mystery. Yeah, it's like it's so bizarre. <laughs> Here's some insider info. I happen yeah. to know because I saw it with my own two eyes in the underground parking mm-hmm. at city hall is a pile of jamil nasir signs so oh so they collected them up and we'll probably send him a bill if they if can they find can him. find him because this was like a this was a couple of weeks ago now but it was a month after the election and it, it's just like you, it was something... some kind of deep throat, throat <laughs> thing in the basement of <laughs> here's the brown envelope donaldson don't tell anybody and uh it, that's it, all i picture when i see when i hear parking garages and journalists it's you know that's all i see uh there was no skullduggery i was i was there i was there at somebody's invitation to so i probably shouldn't imply anything but it's just it's funny because I, st- I still haven't breached the uh breached the doors yet but they maybe they won't let me know but no no it's it just bicycle but, parking pass i can go down and... i i made a note of it because it's just like where is this guy who is this guy <laughs> anyway I wanted to. I wanted to just get that off my chest. Yeah. Um, and then maybe to to wrap this up, uh, it's been a big year for you know. We had the change at city council. We had four councilors say they were going to resign. We ended up losing five, but it was a big year for changing the guard all over the place. Um, Sheila Markle stepped down from the Family and Children's Services. Patty Broughton stepped down from the Guelph Arts Council. Marianne Walker announced her retirement from the Guelph General Hospital. Um, no. Even recently, uh, Kim Kusumano said she was stepping down from PIN, uh, the People Information Network, formerly oh, yeah. Volunteer Center. Yeah. Uh, Marty Williams stepping down from the DGBA, the Downtown Golf Business Association. And then um, just before the weekend uh, uh, here, Queen uh, said she's stepping away as executive director of, of Gulf Black Heritage, which 
understandable. Been a busy three years, uh, mm-hmm. and, and she's been a very public face um, at a very public time for that organization. So I, I don't blame her for for wanting to take a break from all that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of I mean, there's a lot. So there's a lot of open spots and a lot of major community groups and new blood, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Definitely speaks to the great resignation, though, that it's not just some kind of mm. thing you're reading about in the media i mean it's that that that's the connection between all these even though they're disparate groups and positions mm. i think it's you know people used to stick with these things for years and years and years on end maybe even retire out of a position like that but now it's like you know maybe the priorities are a bit different mm. you see it everywhere it's just like well, they just they just leave whether it's where it's whether it's at a level like that or even just a regular run of mill job it's like no you know what i'm done mm-hmm. thousands well- of people I, I do wonder if uh, Marty at the DGBA is stepping away because of a uh, couple of new faces on the on the downtown board. Well, that could be. I think that's probably an accurate analysis. That, so. that might be a story for for next next the the the, the year end show for next year. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Whatever happened to Marty Williams? Well, I, I I'm sure I'm sure he'll be I'm sure he'll be fine. Oh, um, probably yeah but I, yeah. I just mean uh well we'll, we'll we'll see in 20 we'll see at the end of 2023 uh, <laughs> yeah. uh so scotty we will see you in 2023 when we get back to the old open sources show but uh thanks for for helping me out sort some of this out today it's been fun oh thanks for having me once again <laughs> And once again, that was Scotty Hertz. You can listen to Open Sources Guelph every Thursday at 5 p.m. on CFRU 93.3 FM or CFRU.ca. This week is the annual award show, so another year in review show, but this is the last week of the year after all. And if you miss hearing the show on Terrestrial Radio, you will be able to catch it on the Guelph Politicast channel as usual on Monday. And stay tuned for more new episodes of this podcast and other shows as we kick off 2023, this coming Sunday. And that's it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can do that by getting all the information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time. (laughs) 